With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, Wildcats? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I am Adam Green, joined by Brett Barry. And Brett, it's good to be a Wildcat again. I think this roller coaster that the basketball team has us all on, we're going up now, which is exciting. But then also maybe there's an impending sense of dread that you're going to have to go down because that's just how the season's been going. Yeah, but it's much more fun after a, a, a sweep of a weekend series, especially a road sweep. And yeah. Get, get the monkey off the back. And that's what we were wondering going into the weekend. And Arizona beat Washington 75-72, which was nice. It was a close game. Arizona got off to – it was almost like the ASU game. Arizona got off to a good start. They were up at the half, and then it kind of started to fall apart. And there was a stretch where it looked like Washington was going to pull away in the second half. And to Arizona's credit – well, to Jamal Baker's credit, really, Arizona battled. They fought. They didn't quit in this game. And one thing I think you can say about this Arizona team, outside of, I guess, the Oregon State game, they haven't quit in any game. Even the losses they've had, they've played hard, and they've been competitive in every one of them outside of Oregon State. So that they stayed in it with a Washington team that wasn't exactly great maybe wasn't a surprise, but the fact that Arizona was able to finish the job in that game where Washington out Arizona to Arizona at the end of that game by making mistakes. Now, if Dylan Smith could make a free throw, again, life would be easier for the Wildcats, but they made the big shots. Jamal Baker was great. Washington made more mistakes down the stretch in Arizona, and Arizona got that first road win of the season, got that monkey off their back, like you were saying. Yeah, Washington's player got the technical on the big dunk that, you know, Which turned the tide turned of the game. game. Like, I had a friend who reached out to me. He's like, talking to his buddy, he said he turned to him at the barn. He's like, oh, Arizona's going to win this game now. And I think we were down uh, a considerable amount at that moment. But, you know, they did enough. You know, they were, again, far from a perfect game, but Washington was shooting lights out. Part of that's. Yeah. Not great defense, but you know, let's be real. In modern college basketball, even if you leave guys open on an average team, hit them hitting what fourteen of twenty-eight threes is still pretty good shooting, even if they're not contested. Mm-hmm. So to win at a hard, you know, it's a it's a hard road win. Uh, Washington's one of the harder places to play, and they they still have NBA talent on that roster, uh, despite McDaniel's and Stewart especially. Yeah, they're I mean they're surefire NBA talents. Um, to come out of there with a win, especially against a Washington team that shot 14 of 28, you know, Jamal Baker, that's, I mean, that's got to be his best game as a Wildcat, right? Oh, yeah, easily. And not close. At least offensively. He saved them. And to your point, yet yeah, you would have said Arizona was going to face a Washington Huskies team that made 14 of 28 threes. I'm like, well, that's a loss, maybe even a big loss. And there were times in that game where it looked like that was what was going to happen, but 
you're right. Jamal Baker was excellent. He made he ended up hitting the game winner, what proved to be the game winner. Time, there's no such thing as like an ill-timed three-point make, I think. But he's like, oh, he made some timely threes. Yes. When they needed a bucket, Jamal Baker was able to get it for them because no one else was really that great. Zeke Naji had one of his more quiet offensive performances. He had nine points, did have eight rebounds. Josh Green struggled again in that game, only had six points. Dylan Smith only had four. Nico Mannion had 16, but only took eight shots, made five or six free throws. So it wasn't a great performance all the way around, but there was something that when they win that game, it's like, okay, they got that monkey off their back. Never mind that it was a road game, but it was a close game. They finally won a close game again. The question was, how would they respond against Washington State? Because it's like, we remember how they, when they folded against Oregon, they came out against Oregon State and were just lethargic, lackadaisical, whatever you want to say, they got railroaded in the second half of that game. And it was like, okay, Washington State isn't a great team. They're tough at home. They were coming off a win over ASU. How would the Wildcats respond to some road prosperity? And early in that game, it was like, ah, geez, here we go again. The Wildcats not ready to play. Then, of course, about halfway through the first half, they turn it on and never look back in what Sean Miller called their most complete effort of the season. Offensively, Arizona was not good. Defensively, Arizona was great. And it was a blowout. A road blowout in the Pac-12. <laughs> like, who was that team? It's a team playing defense consistently, and that makes all the difference. And some lineup changes, and you know, they're th- th- all weekend. There's a couple things that stood out to me: the the defensive changes that they've been doing, kind of the su- the switching when mm-hmm. they have like Ira Lee in there. I think that throws teams off. Stone Giddings in the lineup has proved to be a very valuable add. Um, just because I think he has a very complimentary skill set mm-hmm. and gets another rebounder out there, can stretch the floor a little bit. Even if he's not hitting shots, he's a threat to make it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, was, it, it was kind of a quiet but very significant improvement in my mind of uh, Nico. Both games, he had a, you know, a pretty good assist-to-turnover ratio. I think he had 14, 15 points in both games, like five, six assists. Four or five rebounds for our our what was that, what was the announcer that was complaining about his rebounding? Oh, the guy in the Baylor game, yeah, uh, Jimmy something, yeah. Jimmy or Jackie or Jimmy something. I forget his name. He's not important. <laughs> was it Jimmy Dykes? I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to say uh, uh, Sean Miller definitely values his uh, input, <laughs> as I recall from his. Um, that was fantastic. <laughs> that was glorious. But, you know, I think Nico Mannion, it, let's, in the Washington game, he had a 2-1 to one assist-to-turnover ratio with five assists, two turnovers, and four assists to two turnovers in the Washington State game. You know, one-and-a-half to one is like kind of like the old-school rule of thumb on that. And in both games, U of A had a assist-to-turnover ratio at or above that, and that's largely because of Nico Mannion. Mm-hmm. And when you have him making smart decisions, you know, hitting shots at a reasonable clip, getting his teammates involved, being active on defense. And I think his activity on defense shows up a little bit to to defend Jimmy in the defensive rebounds. Uh, cuz that, you know, you can't end a possession on a on a, the on the opponent's miss unless you get the rebound, right? Right. Um that like he didn't necessarily have like super highlights, but he sl- he slowly but steadily helped win those games. Yeah, well, he was just guiding the team and not to use a football analogy, although Sean Miller lo- loves his football analogies, but like a game manager. Nico's capable of getting hot from three and taking over a game, but this team is probably at its best when he doesn't have to. I mean, when he doesn't have to. When he can be that point guard, that T.J. McConnell type of guard, it's like get the other guys involved. Like, be a threat. If they're going to leave you open, make a shot, drive to the bucket, make some plays, sure. 
But there's enough talent on this team that they shouldn't need Nico Mannion to take 15 shots a game. Now, he did. Again, he has had those games. I think he made like 5 of 14 against Washington State. If I have my box score pulled up here. So it wasn't like he had a great shooting performance. And, you know, as long as there's shots that are within the context of the offense, you take them. Yeah. And even Washington State, that game, Arizona won 66-49, and it wasn't even that close. The 66 points aren't indicative of anything other than Arizona missed some open shots. <laughs> like you look at it and say, well, that's not a good offensive performance, and it wasn't, but it wasn't because they were struggling to get looks. They were struggling to make shots. Mm-hmm. You know, Zeke Naji missed some bunnies. Nico missed some shots, and that's going to happen. And Sean Miller said that after the game, and Brett, you've been kind of harping on this. Not harping, that's not the right word, because harping makes it sound negative. But the last few weeks, even when Arizona's been an inconsistent basketball team, you've talked about how their defense has been better and better and better. And this weekend in Washington, we might have seen the culmination of the fruits of that. Like, we all know if you're a good defensive team, you have a chance in every single game. The best Sean Miller teams have been just great on the defensive end of the floor and at best usually average offensively. That that this year's team is starting to get that defensive identity allows them to win these games where they don't play particularly well, at least don't shoot the ball well. Like, to what Isaiah Stewart, he was held to nine points on three of 13 shooting. Right, Zeke Naji was fantastic. On right, him. McDaniel's against Washington, five of thirteen for twelve points. That's not exactly an efficient game for a wing like him. Um, and then you get a Washington State, uh, Ellaby, who was like one of the best players in the Pac-12. Sean Miller, I guess, he was quoted on the Pac-12 Network as saying he was the best player in the Pac-12. He was held to seven points on two of twelve shooting. Josh Green did a hell of a job. And it's a team effort. It's not any individual like Josh Green. Yes, he deserves to be highlighted. Zeke Naji deserves to be highlighted, but maybe this is a team that early in the season when they were winning, it's like, yeah, this offense is great. Well, the offense hasn't been great really since the first couple months of the season, but if their defense is coming around and you're seeing that growth, like, hey, look at this, maybe the team is improving over the course of the season. But if their defense can get to a level that's maybe not top 10, top 15, top 20, but top 25, top 30, the offense will usually have enough to win games. And that's what we saw in Washington. Because when you're on the road, your shot's not always going to fall. It's not McHale. You're not used to those venues, those arenas, those gyms. But if you play defense, you're going to have a chance. And they had a chance in both those games, and they won both those games. Like That's as big a development as, yeah, winning on the road is great. Winning close games is great. But if their defense really has come alive and is rounded into form, that's a huge development for this team. Yeah. And I, I think some credit goes to Sean Miller for kind of manufacturing that with kind of changes in the defensive scheme. But even Isaiah Stewart, like I was saying for weeks, I was horrified of what Isaiah Stewart was going to do with to... With good reason. And I was partially it's because I was assuming it was going to be Chase Jeter guarding him. And when Chase Jeter did have a couple minutes in that game and when <laughs> he uh, took a shot attempt, Isaiah Stewart uh, did not agree with him taking a shot attempt on him. There's no shame so in that, though. Isaiah yeah. Stewart's a really good player. But, He's I mean, also huge. He, that's <laughs> well, this is why I was afraid of him. <laughs> um you know Zeke Naji, but he's a pit bull, and he he. You know the thing that the thing is that we've seen, and a little a little bit more than we've seen in the past games against Washington, and continued on into Washington State. When part of it's just that they don't have as much talent as Washington offensively, but his team defense. So even when Isaiah Stewart got the ball in the post, you know it requires. He, he's somebody that commands the attention of more than one guy. Yeah, and they were doubling and, him some. And they were doing rotations. They were boxing out. They were, you know, the guards were coming in and providing some cover while Zeke Naji was holding his ground and trying to not let him get good position. You know, they, they were playing defense as a team. And I think that's largely a direct product of how they're kind of doing that kind of switching defense now. And 
that you can just see they're more mentally engaged and uh, emotionally engaged on defense. And to your point of getting into the top, you know, you don't have to be in the top 20. Ken Palm adjusted defense now has us at 24. And I don't know where they were a week ago, I think two it was weeks ago, a month ago. I think it was ago. like the 30s and 40s. And that's, and that's the growth. <laughs> and that's got to make Sean Miller happy. Like, you know for Sean Miller that Washington State game is like his, that's his dream. Like, yeah, we don't have to score 85 points to win. We can score 66 and kick the crap out of someone because defense. And he can show his team, yeah, you play that hard, and they're going to face better offenses in Washington State. They're going to face better teams in Washington. But the activity on defense and maybe for them being rewarded for it. Yeah. Because, like, they played pretty good defense against ASU, but they lost that game. But now you played good defense against lottery picks, Isaiah Stewart and McDaniels. Those are probably lottery picks, or at least close to it. Definitely first-round picks, both of them. You went against one of the best players in the Pac-12 in Washington State and shut him down. And it's just, if Arizona's going to reach their ceiling, and it's still obviously a long way to go for them, we talk about it every week because it's like every week there's something. Like we talked about this being like the inflection point weekend for them. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe more than any other time, they really showed something because they hadn't shown this before. Back-to-back good defensive efforts, back-to-back road wins, and a road blowout. Like, that hasn't happened all season. So, you know, not to say, hey, everything's right, because we've done this every, it seems like every other week, every other show we're doing the whole, hey, the sky is falling, then the next week is, hey, their Wildcats are back on track. Like, that's who this team has been. But it certainly seems like now we're starting to see a trend with their defense. And if that's the case, and this team should be a pretty good defensive team. They got size, they got athleticism, they got length. You know, they got depth, they can play hard for 40 minutes. So maybe that is sustainable, and if that's sustainable, then you have to believe that this team has that bright future that the computers think it does. And to that end, Arizona, they're now ranked, I think, 23rd yeah. in, the top, in the top 25, but also number eight in net rating. Like, <laughs> net rating says we're a two seed. <laughs> uh, and, that's, and, of course, Ken Palm, I think they're number uh, 11. So like, the computers say this is a really good basketball team. The standings say they've been inconsistent, and the eye test says they've been inconsistent. But there's a reason why the computers are in love with the Wildcats this season. It's because of certain things like their defense getting better by a lot of their losses being super close games. And if, I remember we, we talked about last week about the road thing, and then I think it was Ken Palm had an article in The Athletic. We're big fans of The Athletic. But he had that article saying this really isn't a big deal, losing their first four games or whatever on the road, no one, or three games, no one cares. Like, it'll average out. This isn't indicative of anything. And maybe that's the case because now for the first time all season, you could sit and say Arizona does not have a road problem. Couldn't say that before. But you could say they don't have a road problem in large part because of their defense. Yeah, and, I, you know, the, it seems like with each game this weekend, you could almost see the players realizing that, oh, when we play good defense, it also plays to our strengths on offense, which is getting the ball in transition. And I think that you know that shows up in the fact that against Washington State, what we shot thirty nine point seven percent and still scored sixty six points or something like that, and yeah. shot four of eighteen on threes. It's because eight we're of fourteen from free throw. <laughs> yeah, like that's those are garbage shooting numbers. Turn the ball over six times though, which yeah. helped. Well, you know what I was looking at too. That again, you know, the most underrated um, stat in terms of team defense is how many offensive rebounds you give up. We only gave up eleven offensive rebounds the whole weekend. Yeah. And, you know, compare that to what, what against Washington. I think we had, like, uh, let's see, 12 offensive rebounds are s- uh, just U of A did against Washington alone. 
and because uh, every time you're getting a defensive rebound, you're ending the possession, and you're getting when you're getting a defensive rebound, you're also getting the ball in transition. Mm-hmm. Against Washington State, we had eight steals. That's how you can have Dylan Smith throw up a layup pass that Christian Coloco can do a monster dunk on. I I want to believe Smith did that intentionally, because otherwise he missed that, I, and I, I think he did. I th- I get the impression he was like, well, I'm just going to get this up off the glass because which is it was like a three, yeah, just. Maybe you draw a foul, maybe it goes worst, in, or Coloco does what ca- Coloco worst does. Worst case scenario is Christian Coloco makes ball go through basket. Oh, was, and that was kind of one of those plays like, okay, Arizona's got this thing going. And to the extent that, like, Dylan Smith didn't have a great weekend. Stone no. Gettings did. Yeah. And, but that's the role players in this team. Like, when was the last time Nico Manion, Josh Green, and Zeke Naji, who are the team's three leading scorers, all played well in the same game? <laughs> it's been a while. The bunny non-conference schedule? Yeah. But now when you have Stone Gettings, who's been starting to find his groove in the starting lineup, mm-hmm. making threes, rebounding the ball, playing defense, just helping facilitate the offense. You have Jamal Baker coming off the bench, playing big, a big role for them against Washington. Like, that's how you have a good team. And that was the idea of this team before the season started, was all these different options where if your freshman stars are struggling, Baker can do something, or Max Hazard can do something. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're starting to see that. And I say, I, maybe we're starting to see that after they just won two road games, right? If they come home and lose a couple games or one right. or two, then all of a sudden it falls apart. But it's more of those flashes that we've seen all season long. Say, hey, this team could be really good. But I, what excites me the most is that defense, yeah. because I, I know they have options. I know they have guys on this team, night in and night out, who could fill up a stat sheet, fill up a box score. They are because they're talented. But the defense was the biggest question mark all season long. And rebounding, too. And rebounding, like you said, is part of defense. And if Arizona, which should have been bad at rebounding or defense, is growing up with all these young guys, and they're all fitting into their, their roles, and Stone Gettings in the starting line, it makes it because he just plays hard. They haven't even had Chase Jeter, who they're going to be better when he's part of the roster again, when he's part of the team. But... If those things are all coming to fruition, they are improving in that way, then the entire team, the dynamic changes. Before it was just, oh, well, they're going to have to score 85 points a game. They're capable, but they're going to have to do that to win. If they can get back to that top 20, say number 24 in Ken Palm, now if they can get to top 20, even top 15, then this team definitely has that look of one of, the, one of maybe seven or eight that has a legitimate chance to win a national championship. Yeah. I mean... You, you you go from being a team with a puncher's chance to being a team that has a legitimate shot of making a run, right? Um, yeah, how, how about Stone Gettings? 19 points, 12 rebounds in 26 minutes against Washington State. That guy is, you know, people complain about Sean Miller against his own, but, how, you know, we were talking before we started recording, how many games did he miss where, boy, he, he was killing it with the, the top of the key. The way you kill a zone isn't shooting threes. It's when you get a, a good... Yeah, no, uh, that, like high post. The high post of. spot is where you c- kill him. And he was killing And I'd mark. rather have Stone Gettings in that spot than Ira Lee, who I like Ira Lee, but Stone Gettings can hit that shot. And he's also a smart player. He can make yeah. those passes. He can dribble a little exactly. bit. Exactly. He's a perfect role player. You said earlier, complimentary piece for them. And that's a skill set where it's like he's not Larry Marketing, right? But when you have a seven footer or something close to it, that's stretch four, that's valuable. When you have a veteran, and that's where. This team, they're so reliant on those freshmen, but the veterans are starting to do something. Max Hazard has started to come alive. Stone Gettings, the transfer, is starting to come alive. And this team has a different makeup because of it. Well, and, and how many times have we said it on this podcast that we were saying, even when they were struggling, it's like, well, these these guys, the Max Hazard, Stone Gettings, Jamal Baker, well, these guys are going to win a game for us at some point because they have that po- that potential. 
Like Jamal Baker won us the Washington game. Without yeah. him, we we don't win no, that game. Not a chance. You know, we maybe we still win the Washington State game. Maybe not as comfortably without Stone Gettings just playing so damn efficiently, right? But we know that though those veterans are capable of that, and that's where a lot of the inconsistency has been coming from. But if they can start to get more confidence, more consistency. But the, th- the thing is, even if Max Hazard goes four or five and threes one game, it don't matter if you give up 85 points or right. turn the ball over 20, 20 mm-hmm. times. And that's, and that's kind of the, the point of if we, if we start playing, everything starts with defense on this team because that's how you get the ball out in transition. The three-second Josh Green dunks. Yeah, your favorite play. <laughs> I mean, call more of that play. <laughs> Why don't you do this, Sean? Come on, Miller. Also, with the veterans starting to pick up their game, it means the freshmen who are probably they probably hit a bit of a wall, and also they're pressing. Like Nico's been pressing, Josh Green's been pressing. You can tell. Well, now maybe they don't have to. They don't feel like it's all on them. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Nico Mannion all weekend. He didn't. He was never really pressing. He was just comfortably taking what the defense was giving him most yeah. of the time. He doesn't feel like he has to do it all alone. He, and he wasn't jacking threes without any pass in a possession. Right. Right. And that's that's that was a. <laughs> It was a good weekend. <laughs> like, yes. That's, that's the point. And we've been down this road before, but this one was a little different because it was on the road. You had one close win and then one blowout. I, I think it's the first team to sweep. It's the first Pac-12 team to have a road sweep all season. Right. I think I read that. It's Arizona. It's not a place Arizona has traditionally had road sweeps in the Washington trip. <laughs> so if you're excited about the team like I am, He's like, hey, this was nice. I like it. It's more fun this way. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything if they come back and trip them over themselves back at McHale Center against the L.A. schools. But what we saw, I believe, is just potential growth. Because nothing that they did in the Washington series, the Washington trip, is fluky. Like, is Jamal Baker going to make four threes a game? Not necessarily. Like that, you could argue, is fluky. But... How they got there, getting open looks, making open looks, and playing good defense, rebounding, taking care of the basketball, that's all sustainable. That's repeatable. That's the foundation. Yeah, that's how this team is supposed to be. So it's, it's one thing, when, like if you're Washington, you made those 14 threes in one. You're not saying, well, we found the formula, because <laughs> that ain't it. Like, yes, that is it. If you can do that over and over again, you're going to win a lot of games. But for Arizona, like you said, they didn't play great. They played good enough against Washington, made enough plays, which they hadn't done most of the season, so that was nice. And against Washington State, they played really a good 25, 30 minutes of that game. And, but it wasn't their best basketball. But it's winning basketball. And who knows what this will do for the team's confidence. And that, I guess that's what we can't know for sure, right, yeah. until they come back on the flag. Maybe, I mean, you could argue that helped them when they got down against Washington State. They're like, yeah, whatever, no big deal, <laughs> you know, because they knew they could come back on the road and win a game. But I'm curious to see how they're going to respond from all this because this is a different type of success. You know, they haven't handled prosperity so well this season, it seems like. This is new. Yeah. Interesting question. Thought experiment. If they lost that Washington game close, do they lose the Washington State game? And that's because it was a repeat of the Oregon trip. Because Washington State, like, that game was pretty ugly to start. And I think, you know, three quarters of the way through the first half, I'm like, we're really not playing well, and we're suddenly up eight. Yeah, <laughs> and and, that, and that's the thing. So who who knows? Like it's it's a young team, but when it's a young team being led by the veterans, I start to think, you know what? Even if they would have lost that Washington game, they still would have beat Washington State because Stone Getting is not the type of player to have that mental hurdle to get over. 
You know, he's been in this situation before. Max Hazard's been there before. You know, Jamal Baker was with Kentucky. He's been in some big games. So, and that's, maybe that's the growth we wanted. <laughs> I mean, we're in February now, so the growth has to happen sooner or later, that or it's never going to. So maybe this is it. You know, I, we can't say it is for certain, but maybe this is a team that's finally starting to figure out its best self. You know what the funny thing is, too? It, it, taking off on that point of finding its best self, if I think back to the whole weekend, even, when, even if there were maybe some bad shots taken, I feel like this weekend you could see that every player knew what their role was on the court at that time, which earlier in the season, I don't know if you could say that. And that's understandable, too. Yeah. As they're trying to figure out the best lineups, and you'd like for Shamo to know his team from day one, but with as many new faces as they had, new pieces, it was going to take time. And maybe, I don't know if Stone Gettings would have been moved into the starting lineup if Jeter doesn't hurt his back. Like That's, that's a fair question. I guess yeah. possible because yeah. Stone Gettings, he did have that broken face, so he was out for a while, so that set him back. Maybe they would have moved him to the starting lineup eventually. Maybe not. But that might be the type of thing that, unfortunate for Jeter, but it might have unlocked something with the Wildcats. Like when they're forced to make a move like that to make a change in the lineup, maybe that unlocked a better version. But you, you said it before, too. That's, that's the move you wanted to see because of the idea that Stone Gettings could go out there and open up the floor yeah. for a Zeke Naji, for some of the drivers. You know, and that's, that's what we've seen. And to your point earlier, like, it helps when he makes threes, but he doesn't always have to. Right. Well, but even, don't, even when I say, like, you know, everybody's filling their role, I even include our star players on that. Like, I would contend that Nico Mannion looked more comfortable and less forcing things during those two games than he has in other recent games. He made 5 of 14 shots against Washington State, and do you think he was forcing it? He was having a bad game? No. No. He just missed some shots that he would normally make. Yeah. And I, even against Washington, like, he had a nice stat line in both games, but he wasn't trying to score 25 with 10 assists. No, even against Washington State, right, the shot distribution, Gettings took 13, Mannion 14, Najee 10, Josh Green 11. That's four guys with more than 10 shots in that game. That's, for, that's none of them shot well except for Stone Gettings, but it wasn't like any single player was forcing the issue. And that's where it comes back to the team collectively was taking what the defense was giving them fairly effectively. Even if they weren't shooting well, they were taking better shots for the most part. Yeah. Honestly, like some of the shots that I was most concerned about was Jamal Baker threes he was hitting, like way deep threes or like that last one that was proved to be the game winner. Oh, against Washington, yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, no, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that was like an NBA range three. So he was feeling it. And against against Washington's defense, sometimes like, that open look from three is going to be your best look, right? It's, yeah. But and if you have a guy who's shooting the ball well, it's at that point in the game, you still if he misses it, you still have a chance. Like yeah. the game's not over. So I don't. It wasn't like, a horrible shot. Like, but it wasn't when you're like, that's the shot you want. Like that's the look you were going for. <laughs> it was what was there that the defense gave them. Was in. I'm sure Washington was like, yeah, I'll let this guy shoot a three from even though he's been hot from 24 feet away. You'd rather have that than a Zeke Naji dunk or like yeah yeah exactly or Nico Mannion at the at the hoop at but the rim. Even to, I don't I forget how much time was left. I think like forty seconds left when Baker hit that around there. <sighs> I think it was a little less than that. But Maybe I could a be little, wrong. But to that point, they had a guy who wanted to take the shot. <laughs> There's been like, times when that's not been like the case. I was asking you last week who takes that shot after the ASU game because Nico passed up a pretty good look from three. Josh Green passed up a pretty good look from three, and they didn't really get a shot off against the end against ASU. Baker took the shot, <laughs> and you need guys that like that, and he was feeling confident. He was on the floor for a reason, and I'm not saying he should be the guy all the time, but he was willing to do that, 
in that moment. And yeah, it helps that he made it. Sure. <laughs> but if he would have missed it, no one would be like, dude, what, what are you doing with that shot? Because it was not a bad look given the situation. So that's something this team needed. It needed that gravitas. It needed someone to say, you know what, I'm going to shoot the ball here. And it wasn't like a final second shot or anything of the sort, but it was a big moment, and it was a veteran. I guess he's a, what, he's a, he's a sophomore, right? Like a redshirt sophomore or something? I don't even know if, I don't even know if he's a redshirt. Just a regular I sophomore. He's, a sophomore. But he's, he been, he's been in big games, and he's like, you know, I'm going to shoot this ball. And he made it, and that gives his team another option in those situations. And it's like game-winning shots are one of the most overrated things in that when people make them, you remember them. And when they miss them, you don't think about it. You know? But now that's a guy who, if he has to take, if there's another shot where you need one shot, you know, game's tied, you're down one, whatever it is, and you have him on the floor, you're not going to be mad if he takes a shot because he's proven he can make a big one. So another sign of growth. Like, that's yeah. why it's so exciting. The monkey is off the back for a in lot of so players many ways. and the team. You'd think so. Because even Max Hazard, I don't think, scored against Washington State, but do you think his confidence is low? He's still you know, he's still ready to shoot. Yeah. Jamal Baker seemed very tentative and hesitant to shoot, oh. and now he seems confident. They all, and Stone Gettings is making 10-foot jumpers like a, a wear twin. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, he is like a ninth-year senior, right, Stone Gettings? So. Yeah. Let's try to bring this back a little bit, though, because obviously... <laughs> Things are never as good as they seem, unless, of course, Arizona have unlocked their magical season and they never lose another game, in which case, hey, things are good. By the, by the time the season's over and we win the national championship, it will be as good as It'll it seems. It'll be as good as it seems. <laughs> Arizona is 15-6 and six right now, 5-3 and three in the Pac-12. Why should I look at this last weekend and where they're at and not get excited? Like, what If you look at what happened and look where the team is at, what would give you pause before saying, yep, they're going to make a run now. I think the biggest thing is that they've st- still not had one complete game in my mind. Even the Washington State game, they played consistently well on defense, and they did well enough on offense. Is that a mythical thing, though? I, th- I mean, what is a perfect game? Well, right? I'm, just, like I'm not even saying a perfect game, but there's, you know, is, a, is, is an Arizona team that's hitting on all cylinders have Max Hazard with zero points? Probably not. Probably not. Um, you know, I'm just there's there's there was guy Dylan Smith didn't have a great weekend. He didn't have a good week, you know, bad weekend necessarily. But but if everyone has a good game and they play defense, Arizona's winning 120 to 12. <laughs> well, but the, I, the the trick is to get like, you know, and I think that's kind of what started to happen this weekend is you need like significantly more guys having a solid game and taking what the defense is giving you while playing consistent like defense. One guy having a really good game, at least, and a bunch, of, a few of them having solid games and then just playing defense. Yeah, and, and the defense in the Washington State game was the most positive trend because I could also still say their defense against Washington was not as bad as it has been. But, you know, there's, there's a reason why they shot 50% and it wasn't just because they're amazing shooters because yeah. they were... There, there was some bad rotations, and you know, you're, you gotta, you gotta run guys off that spot when they're spotting up. Granted, Washington also made some tough shots, right? Uh, so I think, I don't think you can say it is officially a trend on defense yet. Um, you know, I, th- I feel better about it than I have in the past because there has been a trend, and it's if been we gradually show prepped once in our entire history, we could have looked at the Ken Palm trends and see where they've gone over the last month, but. That's not our style. What is a what is a prep of show that you I, refer I've to? I've heard of this. It's it's kind of like the perfect game for Arizona. I don't think it actually happens. Our defense is very inconsistent. 
And, and, and I don't think the fact that they haven't played a perfect game or like you said, hey, they were really good. Colorado, they were pretty good, I think. Yeah. But the fact that they haven't, they didn't play a perfect game or a great game over the weekend, that to me isn't a concern because I don't think you're going to play great games. 40 minutes of just fantastic basketball. That's hard. I don't know anyone who does that. <laughs> it's, it's just not something that teams can do. If I have a concern, it is the fact that the freshmen seem to have hit a wall. Like, I like that the veterans have come out and saved games. That Jamal Baker saved a game against Washington. Stone yep. getting stepped up against Washington State. But if this team's going to reach its heights, Nico Manning has to be more efficient shooting the ball. Like, 5 of 14 usually isn't going to be good enough for him. But Zeke Naji needs to get back to averaging his double-double type, making 65% of his shots. And Josh Green, who he seems like he's the perfect type of Schumler player because he doesn't sulk if he's not hitting his shot. You don't have to run plays for him. And he just plays hard. Like, effort's not an issue with him, so I like the guy a lot. But they need their freshman stars to, if not carry the load, carry their share more consistently than they have been. And it's common for freshmen. Like, DeAndre Ayton, notwithstanding. Like, Arizona's had some amazing freshmen. Ayton, Aaron Gordon, Rondé, Stanley Johnson. These guys aren't on that level. So it doesn't surprise me they maybe hit a bit of a wall, but they need to push through it. Because that's this team's... if. You get the veterans playing their roles like they have been and stepping up and having those big games every now and then. And the freshmen get back to playing at the high level that they were to start the season. This team is as loaded as anybody in the country. But if that doesn't happen, if the freshmen are wearing down and maybe losing some confidence here and there, this team will have its struggles. Because you're not going to rely on Stone Gettings for 18 points every night. Jamal Baker's not going to hit four threes every night. You can't expect Dylan Smith's gonna, not going to hit five threes every night. You're going to need your freshman stars to be stars. Anaheim Dillon ain't walking through that door every night. You mean? Not every night. No. <laughs> well, no, I think I think your point is fair. And I think who it most applies to, at least in the last couple of games, is Josh Green. Yeah. Uh, and he's still useful when he's not scoring well, the basketball. Because he plays defense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even when he, you know, I was just looking at it and looking more a little more closely. You know, it's an interesting stat when you look at the, these two games. In both games, Josh Green had two offensive rebounds. And you know how many defensive rebounds he had? Zero. Huh. For the whole weekend, that's a weird stat. <laughs> that is a weird stat. Especially, like, I struggle with stuff like that because when Arizona rebounds the ball well, like, I don't care who gets the ball as long as someone yeah. does. And if Nico's rebounding the ball better and Baker's out there and Dylan Smith is rebounding and Najee's getting his 10 boards, it's like, okay, I don't care if Josh Green got the rebound or not as long as someone in Arizona did. Yeah, But, but it's still weird that a ball doesn't bounce his way. He's, or he's big enough and athletic enough. Yeah. I, I, and part of it, I think, is the fact that he's often guarding the other team's Wing like, scorer, yeah, and not near the basket. And um, but man, zero defensive rebounds all weekend. That's that's a little weird. Yeah. Um, and so I think, but his defense, I think, remained pretty solid all weekend. It and was great against Washington State. And he still he still seems like he hasn't quite exactly figured out what his role on offense is. Sometimes he'll hit crazy like spinning fadeaway jumpers and. Sometimes he'll be taking threes. Sometimes he will be reluctant to shoot them. He reminds me of like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, not as lanky. He's a better shooter than Hef yeah Hollis Jefferson. But his type of his type of role on offense, like you're not really going to run plays for him. More of a slasher, get on the fast break. What you want him to be is you want him to be a college basketball Sean Marion. You never run plays for him. He plays good defense. Can he knock down a three to at least be a like threat? an open look or yeah. yeah? Can he defend there like be a versatile defender? But one thing, through four maybe. But the thing that's lacking, you know, is is the rebounding. At least this last weekend and you know two games it makes that kind of be more of an eyebrow raiser than if it was just one game. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think 
you know, I think he still has, I, I still think he has maybe the lowest floor of all of the, the freshmen in the NBA because he, he has that kind of small Sean Marion, big you Nick mean Johnson. highest floor? Or, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Did yeah. I say lowest floor? Yeah, highest yeah. floor. You, you meant what I knew I said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm like, wait, I think you're praising him right now. <laughs> you're complimenting him, and yet it's no, you, so mean. But so and like if there's like Nico, could he be better? Of course he could. And I think I think there is something to be said for the freshman wall. But like also like if Chase Jeter was playing, is Zeke Naji the one in that Stone Giddings role at the high post against a zone, right? And I actually think he'd be a great high post guy. I like Giddings there more though. I probably do too. If I had Naji there, it's because I want probably Coloco down low just to clean up rebounds and you know, take men's souls with powerful dunks. Yeah. Um, Could use more souls. He 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 collects souls. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think your point's well taken that the the freshmen have kind of. I, I actually think Nico has played some of his best basketball, just in a quiet way, more in control. Um, and I think Naji is still Naji, and teams. Part of it's that teams are adjusting to him. I think a little bit. And when you're going against the, a two-three zone, it's a little bit hard. like Zeke Naji's best. Uh, matchup is going one-on-one against a guy in the post, mm-hmm. right? Or hitting spot-up mid-range jumpers. And against a 2-3 zone, unless he's playing the high post, he's probably not getting either of those, right? You know, and that's when you're in against a 2-3 zone, it makes it real easy to double him, which he's shown recurring trouble with. And if, if you're game-planning for Arizona, too, you're saying, we're going to let Jamal Baker beat us. We're going to let Dylan Smith or Stone Gettings beat us. We're not going to let Zeke Naji yeah. crush us down like that. And that, that's just basketball. Yeah. And if and against Washington, if you're tell Zeke Naji, your job is to guard the hell out of Isaiah Stewart and grab every like rebound. Do the best you can. Then you know what? That's that's your role that game. That's fine. That's what you focus on. But to have freshmen, maybe that's the point too. Like you said, you think Nico Main has played some of his best basketball, but even if the stats don't necessarily reflect it, Zeke Naji didn't put up eye popping stats over the weekend, and yet they were effective. They were impactful. And maybe that's <laughs> when the. We've, had, we've seen different freshman classes come into Arizona. Some were a bit more me first than others, some of these players. Doesn't mean they weren't any good, but just the attitudes. And going into this season was all about how these guys were winners. All they cared about was winning. They liked each other. Nico Mania and Josh Green were teammates before in AAU ball and such. Maybe they do have freshmen who aren't, they're kind of realizing that they don't have to be the star and they're fine with that. Yeah. Like, yeah, Nico's going to go for the NBA after this season. A couple guys are. Yeah, at least Nico, and we'll see. Uh, Josh Green and Najee, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't think it's as much of a given yet. Christian Coloco is just going to skip the NBA and go straight to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that seems reasonable, actually. But they have freshmen who maybe, maybe that is the joy of this freshman class. and it's, That's what Sean Miller meant when he talked about how much they're winners and how much that, that's all they care about is that Zeke Najee was fine with that. Someone saying, hey, just go do the best you can on Isaiah Stewart and rebound. Like, you're not going to be a focal point offensively tonight, but you can still help us win the game. And Zeke Najee does it with a smile on his face. Whereas Josh Green, you're not going to have any plays run for you. You know, you're not going to be limited out there, just, but please just play defense. Yeah. And he does it. And well, Nico, hey, you're not going to have to shoot. You know, we, do, we don't want you to score 20 points a game. We don't need that. Just run the offense and play basketball. And he does it. And that's where it goes back to what I was saying earlier, and that's kind of what I really meant when I said that if you watched those games, it felt like every player knew their role, including the star players, like not trying to, not trying to do too much, right? Yeah. And when you have when you have people, 
executing on and playing well on defense and executing effectively to at least get decent shots on offense, even if the shots aren't falling, and you're taking what the defense giving giving you based on that execution, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, you might not win them all. You, you know, if you just cannot hit the hit a basket to save your life, you know, crap. You know, you lose that game. But it's, you know, it's, it's the guy with the best poker hand doesn't always win. Sometimes the card doesn't cards don't come right. The guy who plays it the best doesn't always win the hand. It's sometimes it's just dumb luck. But if you're playing defense, you're taking what the defense is giving you. You're playing within the scheme that's, you know, playing to the best of your abilities. You're going to win a lot. Right. Arizona has won a couple in a row. Now they return home to play a couple more winnable games. We're going to talk about those next after this break. So, Brett, Arizona, well, before they went out to the Washington schools, we talked about how the schedule, how it lined up for them. If they could win those two games, they came home to face... Uh, USC and UCLA, and then they would go at Cal at Stanford, and then, of course, versus Oregon State. The chance for a long winning streak is there. And to me, like, they have to win at home. Like You can't lose home games, especially not to teams that aren't Gonzaga. <laughs> so you have to win all your home games in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 isn't good enough to beat you at McHale Center. So with that as the backdrop, it's USC on Thursday, UCLA on Saturday. With that as the backdrop... Arizona should sweep this series, this homestand, and they almost need to because as great as people feel about them after sweeping the Washington trip, if you lose to USC, who is decent this season, they're ahead of Arizona in the standings, they're 6-3, and three. and of course UCLA is 5-4, and four, so the same number of wins as Arizona. But if they lose either of those games, I guess depending on how it happens, because every game, every loss is a little different, but to me, if they lose either of those games, all the goodwill they earned by winning the both games in Washington goes away. And that's where this team is, because until they can build and sustain and show that they actually have turned a corner, because every time we've thought they found something, they trip over themselves. That's just, they go to Oregon and they lose that game. And it's like, oh, well, that's Oregon. They're tough. You get blown out by Oregon State. Then you come home and you beat Utah and Colorado handily. Then they're like, all right, they figured it out. Then they go to ASU and lose that game. So they need to win these games, preferably comfortably and convincingly, but they just need to win both these games. Yeah. (laughs) Well said, Adam. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, USC, (laughs) it's funny. I had had a a house guest this weekend who is a USC alum, and we were watching the games, and she she saw the, uh, the, the standings. She's like, whoa. USC is like nineteen and four or whatever, some crazy record, and it's like, and they're not ranked. It's, yeah, cause seventeen and five. They yeah, are six and three go. in the Pac twelve. Well, they yeah. just, and, but then they just they lost over the weekend after she made that comment. <laughs> it's like, ah, um, oh, now it all makes sense. You know, the, the, this road trip was that kind of found when you have that defensive foundation, you have that kind of that that consistency that travels. That's the the word we've been using all season, right? You know, it's it's hard to win on the road, as evidenced by what you said. That was the first road sweep in the Pac-12 season by any team. Yeah. Right. So you can't you can't build momentum when you go and lose on the road every time. You know, you'd like to think that you can't have a letdown game at home, and the f- the fan base at McHale will kind of not allow for it because <laughs> even if they even if they come out flat, you know. If there's one thing, if there's one, uh, you know, fan base in the state of Arizona that is good and understands the impact on the game, it's Arizona basketball fans. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to imagine they won't have a consistent effort. Um, 
so I can't I can't imagine them losing from that from that perspective. Um, you know, maybe it's just some you know what we we're talking about with freak shooting, where we shoot really poorly with good shots and they make everything. But yeah, you 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 kind of uh, you know. Tr- it's it's hard to trust this team because they're so inconsistent. And trust is something that's built up over time, and it's easy to lose, right? Yeah. And if they, if they lose one of these games this weekend, it goes back to the conversation we were having a week ago where if they're this inconsistent, that's just who this team is. Yeah. And especially being at home now, USC is led by a freshman, actually, Onyeka Okongwu. That's my best pronunciation of that. I miss Ronnie sometimes. Easy for you to a say. A lot of the time. <laughs> He's averaging 16.7 points, 9 rebounds a game, shooting... 61% from the field. He's a 6'9 forward. He's a big guy. And that's an interesting match for us. I would assume that's a Zeke Naji thing. He's 6'9, 245. So he's a big dude. Yeah. But he's efficient and he's their leading scorer. Like, remember when they used to have Benny Boat, right? That guy was frustrating because he was good and tall. We also tried to recruit him pretty heavily. It's a shame we didn't get him because he was good. But they got Jonah Matthews. He's averaging about 13 points a game. Nick. Rick, Oh, Rakovic, Rakovic. I'm not good at this. Nick R. He's averaging 11 points a game too. Uh, USC, ever since Andy Enfield took over, has never been a team that you really feared. Like they've been decent and they've been better than most people expect them to be this season. So credit to him. But they're they're not a team that Arizona should be losing to, especially at home. Like they've always had they've had some close games over the years. Yeah, especially recently. But to me. And this goes back to maybe the arrogance of being Arizona basketball fans right now. But it's easy for me to say that if Arizona plays their game, they're better. They are the superior team, more talented, more depth, yeah. more balanced, and they're at home. Like If Arizona plays well enough, they should win this game. But it's certainly kind of like it was against ASU, a team like USC who's near the top of the Pac-12 standings right now. They're going to McHale Center. They see an opportunity. Like Arizona's going to get their best shot. And for an Arizona team that hasn't handled prosperity well this season, I'm curious to see how they will respond. Like, a slow start Thursday doesn't do it for me. Even if they come back, like, they need to come out focused, knowing how important every single game is. Because USC, it's kind of like, it's almost like the Washington game. They're not the most talented. They have some good players. But they're not this deep team of just full of stars. But they're going to know, they know that this is a big game for them. Because if they can steal a win at McHale Center, their chances for winning the Pac-12 are just legitimacy. Like you said, like they had 17 wins and they're not ranked. Well, if you go beat now ranked 23 Arizona in Arizona's house, people start to notice you. So it's a huge game for them. But likewise, for different reasons, it's a huge game for Arizona. Yeah, and I think if you get the Washington State Wildcats, that, that kind of performance, that, good, that solid defensive performance and really mediocre offensive performance, even at home. It's like the reverse football, actually, in Washington State. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you... You win that. You win this game, and you 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 beat you beat UCLA as well, right? If if the defense that we saw at Washington State is what we see all weekend, we're sweeping at home, and it's probably not. It's, you know, maybe there's some things where you kind of have to you, you raise an eyebrow for a minute, but I got to think you win comfortably, especially at McHale. I can't imagine you're going to shoot twenty percent. God, I hope not. That'd be painful. Wasn't that was at Washington last season where that was the case, where Arizona just couldn't make a shot? I feel like it's. And Baylor too that same season. Like, and, I feel yeah. like it's been a so it's happened. Games. Yeah, but you know, this will be if the if the Washington weekend was the foundation that you're trying to build on. These are good building blocks, right? And if you can take care of business in in this in this uh, week and weekend, 
then you've really got some some positive momentum going, which you've just not been able to do by the way the road woes have been, by the way the schedule has been. You know, we had plenty of positive momentum at when we were playing 13 straight games at home against, <laughs> you know, Omaha um, or the equivalent. You know, but there was never, you know, this is a more talented team than we saw in Anaheim. Better than Pepperdine, better than, you know, whoever, I forget, Wake Forest or whoever else was there. But they're a team that should be beatable. I think to your point, you said U of A is more talented, they're deeper. Uh, they're, they're just a better team and they're at home. So if you lose, something went wrong, yeah. right? Um, and I, don't, I don't know what the line was, but I'm, I'm guessing we're favored somewhat comfortably. I don't see a line yet. Uh, nothing yet. We're recording earlier in the week, though. We're recording on Monday. So, yeah, I th- but I think... I think what you said is is right, and I think the way we won this this past past week is a sign of progress. But we don't know we won't know how how far that progress is going to keep going until we see it more consistently. It needs and to moving out in a few and, more weeks, and that's why it needs to be validated that progress. Because otherwise, you could argue it was a fluke. Yeah, like Arizona, the two steps forward, one step back thing they've been doing all season long, or at least since conference play started really since they lost their first game, since Baylor, is that they show those flashes, and you're like, okay, maybe this is it, and then something goes wrong. They lose to Oregon State. They lose to ASU. So this is the first time they've had that big win now on the road, and they're coming home to build on it because they've had those big wins at home and gone on the road and lost. They can build on this. And, yeah, if they win both these games, because UCLA's not that great either, their first-year head coach, McCronin, like, they're not, they're not good. Doesn't mean they're not going to give it their best against Arizona. Arizona always faces everyone's best, especially in McHale. But if the Wildcats can take care of business, now you have a four-game winning streak going to the Bay Area schools who aren't, they're not great. And you do that with confidence that you can win on the road. And that's how you start to really make a run. I don't know. I haven't seen the recent bracketology. I'm not really concerned with it right now. Yeah. But that's where you start to build that, hey, the computers are right. Because <laughs> they're number, again, they're, they're number eight in the net ratings. Eight! <laughs> which which kind of doesn't make sense. No, but it's like for some reason the, but you know Ken Palm likes the Wildcats, and we all like Ken Palm. We trust Ken Palm. It's usually a pretty good barometer, yeah, pretty good gauge. And it they that system likes the Wildcats. So they've done a lot. Of, they've done pretty much everything but win enough. But if they win these two games, they knock off the SoCal schools this week at home. Then you start to accumulate the wins to go along with the computer rankings, right? You start to show it on the court or. It's not just in the like in the computers, but it's on the floor. Yeah, here's some fun with Ken Palm ratings. I was just searching for where USC is, and I see where a handful of other Pac-12 schools are. USC is 58. Uh, guess who's eight spots in front of them? Washington. <laughs> uh, guess who's six spots behind USC at 64? ASU. Yep. So, I mean, but that's partially that's the parity we talk about in modern college basketball, right? And I think to your point, and we talked about it the last couple of weeks, that now we actually have got the monkey off our back. Our, I feel like some of our players have gotten their monkey off their back. Max Hazard knows he can make shots again. Jamal Baker played great against Washington. You know, Stone Gettings is really hitting his stride incredibly well against Washington State. If you can maintain that kind of momentum... Your schedule is relatively favorable the rest of the way. Uh, and, you know, it's not an unreal... I, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it's changed since now, but the only game I think we were not favored by Ken Palm was, was, at, Stanford, was right? at Stanford. And I got to wonder if, if we win this weekend, are we 
favored in that game as well. Yeah. Um, and granted, Oregon at home is not going to be an easy game, but uh, you know, there's it's certainly winnable. Well, it should have been like right now. Every game is winnable. Well, I mean, it should have been it should have been won in Eugene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and the the thing is, you get that momentum's a funny thing, especially with a team that's young and kind of learning to play together. And it it makes you wonder where, you know, we're we're gaining speed on that roller coaster a little bit, right? And is it just is it a roller coaster where you're going to crash, or is it coming up to a ramp? And where what speed are you going to have? Are you going to take off and fly for a long while, or are you just going to kind of putter off the end and fall straight down into a canyon, right? Is a space mountain, or to, is it? I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors. I went from a a a like a a roller coaster to like an evil Knievel motorcycle jump at some point during. So I saw was it the Gorge and the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make it. <laughs> Springfield Gorge. Yes. Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, there we go. Got a Simpsons reference in this show this week. This is quality Wildcat Radio 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> okay. USC Thursday, UCLA Saturday. UCLA is not that great. <laughs> Ken <laughs> you look Palm at their, 117. Yeah, you look at their roster. There's not really anyone notable. Uh, Chris Smith leads the team in scoring at 12.7 points a game. He's the only guy they have in double digits. Jalen Hill, a forward, is averaging 9.9, I guess. These, these are the games that Arizona has to win. Not because they're on a tournament bubble. Even after ASU, you're like, oh, this, this team is to make the tournament. Like they're, there's a reason why they just beat two Washington school teams who weren't great and moved back into the top 25. Yeah. Like, people believe in the Wildcats. They like this Wildcats team. They just want them to prove it to them with wins. Again, Ken Palm, 12 or 11 now, and net rating 8. People believe in the Wildcats. It's a tournament team. But these are the types of games you win to not only solidify that, but to move up in the seeding. And maybe seeding doesn't matter for them because we know how talented they are and we've seen them as a high seed fall apart. We've seen them as a lot. Maybe it doesn't matter. Like, I'd rather have the easiest road possible. But even then, sometimes you get that and you lose to Xavier in the Sweet 16 because you choked away the game at the end. Um. But, <laughs> but still, to mo- have that momentum, because that's what you want to see. We want to see that growth and we've been kind of anticipating it, expecting it, and we've thought we've seen it multiple times. But this weekend or this homestand is a chance for them to really show that, yeah, it's happening. That they have figured out their roles, like you were saying. That their freshmen have figured out how to impact a game when they're not scoring the basketball. That Stone Gettings, Jamal Baker, Dylan Smith, Max Hazard can be that reliable, one of those four guys can be a reliable third option or second option when they need someone. And they can play defense. Because if they do that... and Beating UCLA and USC does not mean you're a great basketball team. But it would just further validate. I keep using that word because it would validate that Arizona yeah. is a good team that is on the right track. So whichever metaphor you want to use for this one, that they are moving forward. Yeah. I, I think that's there's not much more to say about it other than that, right? That show's over. I mean, play defense. Don't turn the ball over. Everything else will handle itself, and you'll win these two games. You think and it's a sweep? Yeah, I, th- I I think I've seen enough to feel comfortable this weekend. Then I'll be curious to see how they how they do the next road trip. Um, mainly the Stanford game because I do think that's the harder harder matchup. But yeah, if you if you if you blow this game, especially and it's because of like defensive inconsistency or just you know turning the ball over all over the place, then it all that goodwill you earned is is mostly gone. Yeah. And then it's then then I I think you just know that this is a team with a puncher's chance rather than a good a good boxer, 
which you'll take. I'd rather have a puncher's chance than no chance. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the women's basketball team, even just a little bit. Unreal. <laughs> they're, they're killing doing. it. <laughs> like they're, where are they ranked? They swept UCLA and USC, who are, in women's basketball, really good teams. <laughs> and Adia Barnes, what she's doing down there. I think I saw the, the like, the NCAA did their, like, first 16. And I think Arizona was, like, 12th for, like, their tournament top 16 right now. 12th. It's unreal what they got going on. I, I saw some tweets about, oh, maybe the, the women's team is going to go farther than the men's team. I just like having two really good basketball programs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is that, wow, what a mean insult? <laughs> I yeah. guess. They're number 12 in the AP poll, the latest AP poll, the women's team. Like, it's ridiculous what they're doing, which is fun. And they, they're, they built off of the NIT run last season. And like Adia Barnes, she's building that program, but they made the NIT, they won the women's NIT, the fan support was great, and they've continued that on this. Year. This is how you build a foundation, this is how you build a program. How about the attendance, right too? It's been, it's been great. Like, well, I think, I, I, I mean, I follow Adia Barnes on, on the Twitter machine, the Twitter.com machine, and see her, you know, calling out to Tucson, and Tucson is answered. I mean, Tucson's you gotta, a basketball town, we know that. Yeah, and, you know, God bless them, it's... It's, it looks like a pretty fun environment. I haven't got to go to any games, and I would I would really like to actually. I want I want to see Ari McDonald play live. She's good. Yeah. Like she can play. Our boy Saul says she is the best basketball player in the state, and it's hard to argue that. Yeah, uh, it absolutely is. <laughs> but that's it's just good basketball being played in Tucson. Certainly on the women's side, on the men's side, we we're hoping to see this week that they've they actually have turned that corner and found themselves because the talent's there. So. We'll see. Whatever we're talking about next week, hopefully it's another couple of wins, a four-game winning streak before they go back on the road. But until that happens, remember to bear down. Bear down.